Today's scripture reading is found in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'll be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Allison. Aren't you glad God brought Allison and Scott and their family to Trinity? And that God gave her the musical talent and ability and the heart to say, when you don't have a team, okay, I've got a keyboard, I can still lead worship. And to, uh, I said to Allison, well, I know we had to cancel Sunday night, but is there something from Savor that you'd like to bring into Sunday morning? And this was the song, song that God gave her, song that she wrote, God's inspiration, and then shared with us this morning. So thankful for that. So let's pray together as we go to God's Word. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the the moment where you sent your son to this earth, <clears throat> a moment that must have caused you pain because you knew what would happen. You knew that your son would be rejected and scorned, that he would suffer and die. But Lord Jesus, you were willing to come. Father, you were willing to send him so that a relationship could be restored with us through the cross. This morning we come with thankful hearts as we enter into this Christmas season, as we remember your advent, your coming. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us again now this morning through your word, just in, in another way, with another passage, just remind us of what the incarnation truly means and, and the impact it has on our lives right here, right now. And Lord, I pray that you would give us open ears, help us, whether we're right here in this room or listening from home or some other place. Lord, I pray that we would be open to the work of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would guard my words, help me to accurately communicate this message, but all the time depending fully on your living word and your living spirit to actively communicate that word to us help us understand and know what we need to do in response to your word today so use your word use this time to accomplish your purposes in us in jesus name we pray amen if you watched uh, our video that Beth and I sent out yesterday, then you know that I'm a little baffled by all the characters that have gotten into Christmas, make-believe characters especially. So this week, one evening, Beth and I rode through our neighborhood just mainly to look at lights, but 
I decided I'm going to take pictures of all the Christmas, Christmas characters that I see. So I brought some of those pictures today. We'll put some of these up on the screen. Now, in this yard that had all kinds of stuff in it, but there's the, the typical characters of Santa and Rudolph and this un, unknown penguin. I'm not sure who the penguin is or if he has a name, but the penguin shows up often in people's Christmas decorations. And then you have other characters that you would expect, maybe Frosty the Snowman, I suppose that's Frosty, and the Grinch, who, as if you looked closely enough, was on my tie last week. And so these are Christmas characters. They come with some Christmas stories, okay. But then you move on to some other ones, the snowmen. Okay, snowmen fit for, you know, wintertime perhaps. But are they, is there a snowman family that's the characters of Christmas? Well, in this yard apparently there is. And then you get even further afield, like this one, Snoopy. Okay, maybe Snoopy because you have the Charlie Brown Christmas, but Scooby-Doo? I mean, seriously, what does Scooby-Doo have to do with Christmas? He gets dressed up and he's in somebody's yard for Christmas. Well, here's another one, a Christmas pig. I have no idea if this pig has a name. I don't know that I even want to know the name, but this pig made the Christmas character bunch in this, in this person's yard. And then another one that's more common today in the movies, the Minions. And so we have Christmas Minions as well. And our own street, just a few houses down from us, there's Mickey Mouse, maybe one of the most famous make-believe characters of all, but he gets into the Christmas story too. Now, if you saw the video, I have to, there's a disclaimer here. I did not take my knife to Mickey. I did not do the deflation there. That was already like that. I just took a picture of it. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I did not get out in the neighborhood. But Mickey makes the Christmas character list. So what happens to kids who walk around a neighborhood like ours and probably like yours and see all these Christmas characters, make-believe characters, and then they come to a yard like ours and they see this. Our Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. Just some more make-believe characters. And this is the concern I have for Christmas. And this, it makes me worry that kids and adults alike have come to view Christmas as just a bunch of make-believe characters and stories. And the irony of it all hit me, maybe especially this week because of studying for this, this passage, because Christmas is about God making Himself visible, tangible, and very much real to us. Nothing fake or make-believe about it at all. And yet our society has managed to turn that that celebration of Christmas into something unreal and fanciful. And so this morning, I want to take us back to what really is. What is God revealing? What is Christmas about? It's God showing Himself to us in a way that He never had before. And I hope that you will see that this morning, that when God sent His Son, this was something completely new and extraordinary. That God would come in the form of a baby in a manger. That He would grow up to be a boy working in a wood shop. That He would grow into a man who cried and felt and eventually died. The Apostle John is especially sensitive to this because he spent three years with Jesus, 24-7. He was one of his closest disciples. 
He walked with him. He listened to him, learned from him. John ate with him and laughed with him and eventually mourned over him when he died. And so he wrote this letter of 1 John to believers many years after Christ's death and resurrection. And as he writes the letter, he reflects back on what he sees as the best gift of Advent. We've used that title for our series this year for Advent, The Best Gifts. And this Sunday, on this third Sunday, we're going to see from John what he presents to us as the best gift of Christ's coming. We've been going back to other New Testament writers for this series, as you know, in that first century church, as they then look back on Christ's life and are saying to us, here's what His coming actually means. Here's the significance of His advent. And so, for John, it was this experience of a personal relationship with Jesus, a relationship that he wants his readers to have and he wants us to have with Jesus too. And so, our first point today comes right from that first verse in 1 John. If you're not there already, please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. John wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote three short letters. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, near the end of our New Testament. And this, this morning, we're in 1 John chapter 1, the first few verses. And our first point is that Jesus came as God's Word in the flesh. And that's what John tells us. In fact, when he starts writing this letter, if you notice this, when you heard it read this morning, but he doesn't use a salutation. He doesn't say, hey, this is John writing to you believers at such and such a church, such and such a place. No, he just dives right in. He says, hey, this is what I've seen and heard. He's so excited about this encounter with the living Christ. He jumps right in. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our, our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now, if you're familiar with John's gospel, then this reference to the word sounds familiar. Say, wait, wait, that's exactly the way he started his gospel, and you're right. So we look back at John 1, chapter 1, verse 1. He starts his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we have to stop and ask, why does John refer to Jesus as the Word? Why does he use this name? Well, if you think about it for a moment, when you want to express your thoughts or your feelings, your heart to somebody else, what do you do? You use words. You speak it. You write it. You find a way to communicate it through language. And so John is saying to us here, when God wanted to express His thoughts, His heart, His plan for us, He did it with His Word. But the Word was in the form of His own Son, Jesus Christ. How did God speak that Word? He sent Jesus in the flesh as the unique God-man. In fact, let me take you to another verse we'll put on the screen here. First John, the Gospel of John, verse one, verse, chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. There it is. That's the incarnation in a, in a sentence. But the word incarnation actually is not in the Bible. It's not a Hebrew or Greek word. It actually comes from a Latin word. And it means what you would expect. It means to become or to be made in the flesh. And that's exactly what John is describing in John 1.14. 
And here, then in John 1, 1, John is also saying that. He's talking about the incarnation, but he says it in terms of the fact that, hey, I was with him. I touched him. I felt him. I heard him. I saw him. And with all of his senses, John is affirming to us, Jesus Christ came as God in the flesh. It's what makes his testimony so powerful. John speaks to us as an eyewitness. So he can attest to the historical reality of Jesus Christ as the very Son of God because he was there. It's kind of like if if you were able to talk to somebody who actually walked on the moon. You know, there were only 12 individuals who actually put their feet on the moon's surface. A number of those have already passed on. But imagine if you could hear a first-person testimony from somebody who was there. Like Buzz Aldrin, who was in the first Apollo, the Apollo 11 mission, the second man to walk on the moon. As far as I know, he's still alive. He's about 90 years old now. Now, see, I could read accounts of the moon and what it's like and what it would have been like for them, but that pales in comparison to the opportunity to have a conversation with Buzz Aldrin. Tell me about it. What was it like to walk on the moon? And that's what John is doing here. He's saying, let me tell you, I I know him. I know Jesus. I walked with him. I talked with him. I heard him. I, I was with him all the time. A firsthand account. And so we have to ask then the question, why did God do it this way? Why did God send His Son in that human form that John could hear, see, and touch? If He wanted to get across His word, His message, why not write it in the sky so everybody could see it at once? Why not send it through the airwaves as a message from space? Why not send an angel to proclaim it to the world? Because God knew that we would need to hear His message to hear His Word in a much more personal way, flesh to flesh, person to person. And that's why He sent His Son. God's Word needed to take on flesh for us. One of my favorite Christmas stories is one told years ago by Paul Harvey. It's about a man who didn't really believe in all the incarnation and stuff and so on Christmas Eve he found himself at home while his family had gone to the church Christmas Eve church service as he's sitting at home he's sitting by in his living room by the fire and all of a sudden he hears some thumps on the picture window in his living room and he can't quite see out what it is because of the reflection of the light and he thinks maybe some of the neighborhood kids have been throwing snowballs at the window and so he puts on his coat and his boots and he goes outside and finds out it's not kids, it's a flock of birds. See, there was snow falling outside, it was cold outside, and these birds were trying to get into the light, and the process had flown right into his window. And there they were, a number of birds just in the snow, kind of flopping around, and he waited there to watching them see if they would kind of regain their abilities and fly away, but they didn't. And so he thought, you know, maybe if I can just shoo them, maybe they'll, they'll take flight. But all they did is hopped around. It's so helpless and hopeless looking. So then an idea came to him. He thought, if I could just open my barn. So he went over. The barn was not far away. He opened the doors. He turned on the lights. If they could just get to the barn, they'd be out of the snow. It'd be warm. It'd be safe for them. But the birds didn't go. 
He tried shooing them that direction, but they still just flopped around in the snow. He tried putting breadcrumbs out, maybe leading them to the barn, but they didn't go. So finally, in frustration, he just thought to himself, if I could just for a few minutes become a bird, I could tell them that there's safety in the barn. At that moment, so the story goes, the church bells rang. And for the first time, that man understood the meaning of the incarnation. That God took on human form to tell us about the way to safety. That's what John is telling us. Jesus took on flesh and came as the Word, God's message of salvation to the world. But there's more. Second point this morning is Jesus came to bring us eternal life as well. Notice how John describes this in verse 2. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. I love this verse. John is saying the life appeared. So yes, John means what he said in the first verse, that Jesus appeared in human physical form, that kind of life. But he means more than that because he says in this verse it's the eternal life. And so what he means is that Jesus, in Jesus himself, appeared this spiritual life as well. So John 1 helps us again here too. Put on the, we'll put on the screen here John 1 verse 4. John says, in him, Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So he's telling us in his gospel and in his letter that Jesus came to show us real life, came to give us that real life, and he reminds us that Jesus alone could do that. Why? Because he was with the Father in heaven, and he appeared here on earth, bringing that life of heaven down to earth. So he's affirming that Jesus is God, that he is eternal, pre-existent God, but that as such, he then brings the life of heaven, the eternal life of heaven, down to earth to show us what it looks like in human form. That was for us. That's for our benefit. So please don't miss this. Jesus took on physical life to be able to show us spiritual life. That's the uniqueness of the incarnation. So in Him, in Jesus, we get to see what eternal spiritual life is all about. You know, normally, I'm pretty good at surprising Beth with Christmas gifts. Um, I usually keep it hidden, and she's not nosy. So she doesn't go digging in to try to figure out gifts and, and uh, try to guess what I got her. But this year, she's covering her eyes because this is one of her gifts. Now, let me tell you the story behind this because this is the day after Thanksgiving. I went to our local Ace Hardware. I wanted to get Beth this gift, a bluebird house, because I know she loves bluebirds. She's hopeful that you know, we can attract bluebirds to nest and live and be in our yard and be close by and so on. So I'm in Ace Hardware looking at this, holding it in my hand, looking at this, and all of a sudden, who should walk into the aisle but Beth? She hadn't come with me. She came in a different car. She just happened to show up at Ace when I was there, happened to walk in the aisle while I was there, and there I am caught red-handed with her gift. And she says, what are you doing? <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Um, I'm just 
admiring the handiwork on this. I didn't really want it, just put it back. I said, no, here's your first Christmas gift. You know what you're getting. So as I thought about this, I thought, this is a great illustration of what John is telling us about the life in the incarnate Christ. Because this is a house, a container for life. You don't just get this to have a box out in your yard. The idea, what the hope is, is that birds will live in it, that life will fill it. Jesus came in a human body, a human form. It was His house. That body housed the life, the eternal life, the spiritual life that He came to give to us. We could see it in Him. Merry Christmas, dear. (laughs) I'm not even going to wrap it because you already know what it is. This is what John is saying. The life appeared housed in human form. Beautiful, beautiful. And then he says he offers that life to us. Christmas is not just a celebration of God taking on human life. It is the celebration of God bringing to us eternal life. That's the gift. And John goes on to tell us in the next verse what this, this life looks like in experience. I hope you see how these verses are so perfectly tied together as John starts this letter. So here's our third principle this morning. Jesus came to offer us fellowship. This is the nature of that life. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, you probably know this word fellowship, it's come up a few times in our Peter series. The word fellowship is from the Greek word koinonia, one of the most famous Greek words. And it means partnership. It means relationship. And so John is saying that we have, because of Jesus, this partnership, this relationship, this fellowship. He's telling us about, he said, I had this personal encounter with Jesus, and I want you to have it too. This kind of relationship with the Father and the Son. And this relationship, this fellowship that is only possible because of the incarnation, because Jesus brought it down to us. Because if Jesus had not come in the flesh, then we would have no idea what a personal relationship with God is all about. Think back with me to some of the images of God in the Old Testament. Not that they were incorrect, but because they showed God's transcendence and and God's eminence and and God's um, holiness. So these images of God as burning fire, as, as smoke on the mountain, as, as this brilliant, glorious light, those were all true of Him. But it also showed that God was untouchable, distant, heavenly. Only in the incarnation does God show us that He is also personal, relatable, and He makes Himself visible. Here again, we're helped by John's gospel. John 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. See, this is the beauty of Christmas. This is the meaning of the incarnation. 
that the one closest to the Father, the Son, left heaven to introduce us personally to His Father so that we could come into relationship with Him too. And this is the beauty of the the song that Allison sang a few moments ago. Just picturing God the Father in that close relationship with the Son and the heartbreaking moment when He sent His Son to earth knowing He would be rejected and killed because God so wanted a personal relationship with you and with me. That's what John is introducing us to. That's the fellowship that he's talking about here. So one of the best gifts of Christ's appearing is that God became visible, tangible, and relatable. And John calls us into this. He says, I want you to have this experience, this growing, deepening relationship with the one that I knew in that way, the one that I saw and touched and heard. I want you to know him too. Remember, I love this tie, and remember how John refers to himself in his gospel. He doesn't use first-person pronouns like I and me. He doesn't use his own name, John, when he's writing the gospel story about Jesus. Remember how he refers to himself? as the disciple Jesus loved. Now, I remember when I first kind of came across it in younger years, I thought, that's, that's a little prideful of John to call himself the disciple Jesus loved. Does he mean love, he, he didn't love the other disciples or he loved John more than the other disciples? No, no. You understand it when you read this passage in 1 John because he's saying with that, even that reference to himself, He's showing us how amazed he was that Jesus would love him. That he as a disciple would have that opportunity to have a personal relationship with God. And what he's saying to us in 1 John now is saying, you can have that same privilege. A friendship, a relationship with the God of heaven. Have you ever noticed how much of your life is spent, devoted to deepening, developing relationships with other people. A lot of it, it's family members, friends, if you're married, your spouse, a lot of your time is invested in relationships. And hopefully it's in growing them, developing them, and not destroying them. Usually when that happens, we don't intend it to happen. It's just because we don't pay attention. The desire, the What we want to see happen is those relationships grow and deepen. And John is saying that's what his desire is for us too in our relationship with God. To strengthen and tighten those bonds. That is what true fellowship is all about. And Jesus came in human flesh to strengthen, to tighten, to deepen those bonds so that we could be related to God. But he paved the way for that fellowship to be really two-way. It's, if you notice what John says here, it's both vertical with God and it's also horizontal with one another. And I love the way John does this here. He describes this fellowship as being among believers in Jesus. He talks about our fellowship with you, but then he also talks about and our fellowship with the Father and the Son. And this is what makes the church unique. This is what makes what we have here, what we do here as Christian fellowship, what makes, what makes it special and personal. 
Because it's both vertical. It's about our relationship individually with God and the Son, Jesus. But it's also then about our relationships with one another. The fellowship that we have with one another. And the two are intermingled, that you can't separate them. Our need for our relationship with God, and then that relationship informs and strengthens our relationship with one another. And I know especially at this, this year, and especially because of this pandemic, the building and strengthening and maintaining of those relationships has been harder than ever. But John is reminding us that they are as important as ever. Because of Christ, we desperately need this fellowship with God and with one another. You know, this time of year, Beth and I usually will sit down and watch a couple of Christmas, classic Christmas movies, and a couple nights ago we watched Miracle on 34th Street. So it's the one with the cute little girl. We went to the old black and white 1947 version of the movie. There have been other remakes since then. But if you know the story, that this little girl and her single mom live in New York City. Her mom works for Macy's, and neither of them believe in Santa Claus. And yet the guy who comes and plays Santa in the Thanksgiving Macy's parade and is there in the store is very convincing and, and believes he's the, he's the real Santa, Chris Kringle. And so he has this conversation with the little girl, and he... He asks her what she wants for Christmas, and she's hesitant to tell him, but eventually he pulls it out of her, and she says, I want a house in the country with a yard and a swing in the backyard. And she actually has a picture of it. She pulls it out of her drawer and gives it to him. And what we learn through the movie, however, is it's not so much about the house. What she wants is a dad, a family. And the end, in the end of the story, that's exactly what happens. And this is what John is telling us. He says, what you really want, what you really need is a relationship. You need fellowship with God that then informs and deepens your fellowship with one another. He drives at that in this passage. So, you know, there may be many other things that are on your Christmas list this year things that you want or think you need, but John is telling us the greatest gift, the best gift, is the personal fellowship we are offered with God through Jesus Christ. And that relationship can then bless every other relationship in your life. Jesus came to, gave us, to give us that gift. So what have we seen this morning? It's a quick review of our, our points. Jesus came as God's Word in the flesh. It had to start there. John tells us He came to bring us life, eternal life, spiritual life, heavenly life. But here's the thing. You can't move on to the third. You have to move on to the third point. Because if He just came to give us life that lasts forever, if it's just life in this cursed earth, that's not a blessing at all. It's life in relationship to God. That's what makes it good life. That's what makes it eternal life. And so the third point is absolutely necessary. Jesus came to offer us the opportunity to have eternal fellowship with God. And that, John says, is the primary source of joy in our lives. Now here we come to connect to our candle for today, the candle of joy. 
Verse 4 of our passage, we write this to make our joy complete. See, if you have the, the joy of this relationship, then your joy is complete. If you're looking at the NIV, you see the note there that says it can be translated to make our joy complete or your joy complete. So what does John mean here? Is it his joy and the apostles or is it joy of his readers and us? I think he means all of us. I think it's a collective our joy. Any of us who are involved in this, participating in this fellowship with God and one another, that's what completes our joy. That's the source of true joy. And the confirmation of that comes in the very words of Jesus. See, the joy of relationship is exactly what Jesus promised His followers and promises to us. Go back to the night before Jesus went to the cross. He was with His disciples in the upper room. John 15. Here are the words. We'll put them on the screen. The words from Jesus. John 15, 9-11. He said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See how similar that is to what we just read in John, 1 John 1, 4. John was obviously remembering those words of Jesus in the upper room that night before his death, and now he repeats that. And he says, yes, it's true. Complete joy is found in this fellowship with God through Jesus. He came to introduce us to the Father because only in relationship with Him can we find true abiding joy. You know, again, this year, because of COVID, probably a lot of your plans have changed, just like the, ha- the cancellation of our program tonight. You know, maybe some of your family gatherings are going to be smaller or fewer than you had anticipated. And I feel this the same as you do at this time of year. I, I miss that. I, there's disappointment that comes with that. So especially this year, I want you to hear what John is telling us today, right? That our joy is not just found in our circumstances. In fact, it can't be found there. Our joy is found in our Lord Jesus Christ who came down from heaven in the flesh to bring us eternal life so that we could have fellowship, a relationship with God forever. That's the source of true joy. So this morning, if you're here and you're not sure you have that relationship, that fellowship, then I'm telling you, the only way you can experience fullness of joy in your life is by giving your life to the one who died for you. And if you're here this morning and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, then know today that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you're struggling with right now, no matter what Christmas looks like for you this year in terms of your on-earth experience, the source of your joy is found in your Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for you so that you could know the Father. Our final song this morning is a reminder of that. 
the words of the end of the first verse, well, the, the song itself, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, is really an invitation for Christ to come into our hearts as He came into our world. And the end of the first verse, the writer calls Jesus the joy of every longing heart. I love that phrase, the joy of every longing heart. This morning, is your heart longing for that joy for your Savior, for that fellowship with Him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You so much for this passage. Thank You that we can read John's eyewitness testimony, his words to us based on his relationship with You. And in those words, we can know that we have this wonderful gift, the best gift of a relationship with You. And Lord Jesus, thank You for leaving heaven, for enduring the hardship and the suffering that You endured here on earth, going to the cross for our sin so that we could come into relationship with You. Thank You for this precious gift. Thank You for the joy that that brings to our lives because of the fellowship we can have with You and the anticipation that we will have that forever. Thank You for the life that You brought and gave to us. We worship You this morning. Lord, we ask that You would help us to long for that, dive into that, that we would invest ourselves in deepening and growing that relationship with You and that fellowship with one another so that we can experience the full joy that You intended for us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.